Progress. All right, we're up to the Mishnah on the bottom of Peites Amidbez. Uh, the Mishnah says like this. It's a bit of a challenging daf, so I'm going to do my best. The Mishnah says, Shnei gitin ushnei ksuvis. If a person, if a woman has two gitin and two ksuvis, that means she was married twice, divorced twice, and she has two ksuvis. So she could collect because she has two ksuvis and two gitin. We know she was married twice, we know she was divorced twice, so she could collect twice. She could collect two ksuvas. But, but if she only has two ksuvas and one get, but both ksuvas are before the get, meaning, in other words, the husband, she was only married once, but the husband wrote two ksuvas. He wrote a ksuva on January 1st, and then he wrote a ksuva on January 10th. For whatever reason, then the halach is you can only collect one, because there's only really one ksuva, because both are dated before the get. It changed his mind. He wanted to add stuff to it. Or let's say she has two gitin but only one ksuva, which means she was divorced twice, but he never wrote her a second ksuva when she got remarried. You see, if you don't write a second ksuva when you get remarried, then we assume that the first ksuva just transfers over. You don't get a second one. I'm assuming it means that, that, that remarrying the same person? Yeah, yeah. Or if a woman was divorced from him, remarried from him, and then he died, but again, only one ksuva. So he only wrote one ksuva, so he only collects one ksuva. In a goiva, why? When you remarry a woman and you don't write her a ksuba, we assume your intention is to keep the first ksuba's value to continue into the second marriage. So the Gemara said like this, the Mishnah said that if a husband writes two ksubas for a woman, let's say January 1st and January 10th, he writes two ksubas. So the halacha is, you collect one of them. Now, which one? Sounds like whichever one you want. Right? She might prefer, the later one probably has more property, but the earlier one has earlier liens on the property. So she chooses whichever one she wants to collect. The Gemara says, She could collect this one or she could collect that one. Meaning, both are legitimate ksubas. You could just collect one of them, but both are legitimate options. So the Gemara says, This is not like Rabbi Nachman Amr Shmuel. Rabbi Nachman Amr Shmuel says, Rav Nachman Amr Shmuel says that if a person writes two ksubas on the same transaction, we assume his second ksuba, is, his second shtar is the main one, and it's canceling out the first. So if, let's say, you sold me a, a product, and I give you a shtar that it was sold, and I write you another one two days later, so we assume the second one is canceling the first one. You only can use the second one. So why over here could you use either ksuba? You should be forced to use the second one. Because the second one always cancels out the first one. So why do we say both ksubas are legitimate? So the Gemara answers, The answer is, generally the second star cancels out the first if they're identical. If the second star is more inclusive and is bigger, If the second star is more inclusive than the first, so let's say the first star says, I owe you $1,000. The second star says, I owe you 1001 So then both are legitimate options. If they're identical, then the second is canceling the first. If they're not identical, then both are legitimate options. You could choose to go with the second one, which has more. You can go with the first one, which has an earlier lien on the properties. Those are your choices. Okay, Tanra Abonim. Hoitzi get uksuva umisa. A woman has a get, and she has a ksuva, and her husband died. So, the shayla is... So she has she was married twice, she was divorced and widowed, and she has a ksuba. So how many how many does she collect? Im get Meaning she was definitely married twice. 
she only has one ksuba. The question is, did she have a second that she says she lost? So if the get is before the ksuba, which means that she had a get, had a second ksuba, and then had the misa, then the halach is gaivish ksuvas. Because it's clear that this ksuba, meaning she was married once, got divorced, then married a second time to the same guy. If the ksuba is after the get, that means that it's the second one, right? Because she was definitely at a ksuba when she got married the first time. So if, you, if the ksuba is after the get, that means it's a second ksuba, and she just lost the first. If the ksuba is before the get, that means she only had one ksuba, and he just used that same ksuba for the second marriage. So the Gemara says, So if you don't write a second ksuba, then you just can collect one. Okay. Uh, new Mishnah. Katan Shehesia Aviv. Let's say you have a Katan whose father married him off. So he got married at 12. Now the question is, is the ksuba that he wrote when he's 12, could it be legitimately used when he's above bar mitzvah? So again, when a 12-year-old writes something, the answer is it's nothing. But, the, but do we say that when he became bar mitzvah and lived with his wife, he knew that that ksuba was out there and he was like having a mind to, to validate that ksuba? So the Mishnah says, Katan Shesia Aviv Ksuvasakayemis. It's a legitimate ksuba. Shalmas Kain Kaima, because when he stays with her after the bar mitzvah and he's an adult, he knows that is there, and the fact that he didn't rip it up and rewrite it means that he's cool with that ksuba. So that's his way of giving the stamp of approval after bar mitzvah. Similarly, Gershin is Gaira Ishta Imoy. Let's say you have a couple that converts together. So she has a ksuba for when she was a guy. Right, Gayim also wrote like prenups and all that stuff. So she has a document from when she was a guy. Can she use that ksuba? Do we say that, well, it was written by a guy, so no, or do we say that when he converted and he stayed with her, he knew that that ksuba was there, and he obviously, the fact that he didn't rewrite it, he was obviously saying, I want that ksuba to be legitimate. So the Mishnah says, ksuba sakayemes, it's a legitimate ksuba, shamanas king kaima, because that's why he married her. That's why he stayed with her. He stayed with her knowing that that ksuba is out there, so therefore he considers it a legitimate ksuba. So the Gemara says like this, Amrav Huna. So we're saying right now that if a katan writes a ksuba, it could be used when he's above bar mitzvah. Now the question is, what could it be used for? She could claim money from it, using it to claim money. There's two elements to the ksuba. There's the 200 zuz from Chazal, and then there's the additional dowry stuff that he promised her. So when it says that it's a legitimate ksuba, is that talking about the 200 zuz, or is that talking about everything that's written in it? So the, Mish, the Gemara clarifies, that when it says that it's a legitimate suva when it was written by a child, that's talking about the 200 zuz, because that's a takonas chazal. So we're not going to be as strict as saying that he had to have written it. But all the additional things in the ksuva, that, that, that no, she, he, she cannot use that against him if it was written when, she, when he was a child. The Gemara says, For Rav Yehuda Amar, I feel the Tesefes Yeshua, Rav Yehuda disagrees. He says, no, if it's a legitimate Aksuva, it's a legitimate Aksuva for everything. And it could be used even to collect the Tesefes. So the Gemara clarifies, The Gemara says, Akasha, Meisveh, Avakasha, Chidshu, this cotton writes Aksuva. And let's say in the Aksuva he promises uh, two houses and a field, whatever it is. Then when he's above Bar Mitzvah, says the Braisa, if he adds to it. So he writes the same thing, but he adds you know, two houses, a field, and a tree, whatever. Then the halacha is, if he adds to the ksuva, meaning he has the same standard ksuva, but he writes postscript, I'd like to add a tree. The halacha is, she can, she can now claim the tree. She can't claim anything else. So you see from this b'raisa that when he writes the ksuva when he's a katan, 
it might be good for the 200 zuz. It's not good for the additional stuff that he added on. Because the Brisa says, if she wants to claim anything other than 200 zuz, it has to be added after Bar Mitzvah, which implies all that was written before Bar Mitzvah cannot be collected. The Gemara says, Chidshu in, loy chidshu loy, which implies all the things that he wrote before Bar Mitzvah cannot be collected. So you see, how could Rabbi Yehuda say that you could collect all the additional things? It's not true. So the Gemara says, Maybe the Braisa means that not only could you collect everything, you could even collect the tree that was added. But really, you could collect everything that was written before Bar Mitzvah. It's a little strange, by the way, that the Lushan is like, also, what's the Chiddush? He wrote before Bar Mitzvah that he promises, uh, promises her um, two houses and a field. And then after Bar Mitzvah, he says, and the tree. So the Braisa's Chiddush is, she could even collect the tree. Of course, she could collect that. So the Gemara says, that's not what the Brisa says. It says, The Brisa clearly states that what's written before Bar Mitzvah is only legitimate for 200 zuz, not the additional things. So this is not like Rav Yehuda. And the answer is, yeah, to Rav Yehuda. Now, where did Rav Yehuda get it from, his mistake? Where did Rav Yehuda get his mistake? Because again, the Mishnah says you can collect the Ksuva. So Rav Yehuda thought that meant the additional things. They were saying, no, it doesn't. And Tiyofta de Rav Yehuda. So where did Rav Yehuda get his mistake from? Rav Yehuda Masisanatase. Rav Yehuda was confused by the Mishnah, because the Mishnah says, Hu Akula Because the Mishnah says that the legitimate, the Ksuva is legitimate. Rav Yehuda thought it meant the additional things. It's not true. He thought it meant everything. The answer is not true. When it says the legitimate suva, it means the 200 zos. Um, you good? Yeah, I was just looking where all these were put away. I didn't know where they went. Well, they're probably put in the in the Ahmed, but they should be put in that box. Um, okay, Hajjan Allah Hakaisa All right. Now we're starting the new parak. Now the new parak is going to be dealing with the following premise, at least in the beginning. And that's called Ksuvas Benindichran. Ksuvis ben we've had before, and that means that if a woman gets married and brings a dowry into the marriage and then she dies, the husband now gets it. Yeah? When the husband dies, it goes to his kids. Now the problem is he could have many, many sons for many, many marriages. And that means that it'll be split evenly amongst the mishpacha, which means a woman's dowry can be lost. Right? So a chazal made a takana is that when you marry a woman and she brings in a dowry, and she dies first, it goes to the husband, and when he dies, it goes dafka to her biological sons from that marriage. Okay? It's called ksuvah spinindichon. The rest of the ksuvah is split evenly amongst all the kids, but her dowry, her nichse tzayn barzel, is dafka split, um, is dafka given to her biological sons. Okay. Misha says like this, Mishahayanasi A woman is married, a man is married to two women. Umes, and then he dies. But there's not enough money. See, they got two wives who want the ksuba, right? But there's not enough money for both. So who gets first? The Allah is, Harishayna Kedemis Lashniya. The first wife has Kedima. Okay. Similarly, Yarshi Rishayna Kedemis Lashniya. If both wives died before they collected, so you got the children of the first wife and the children of the second wife want the ksuba money, so you give it to the first. So far, so good. Now here's the main kicker, and that's the last case. Nasa A man marries a woman, Rachel. Okay? Mesa, Rachel dies. So her dowry now goes to him. Then he marries Leah. And then he dies. Okay, so now, what do you got here? You got Leah wants her ksuba, or Leah's kids want their ksuba. Rachel's kids 
want the Ksuvas bin Indichrin. Again, the Ksuvas already gone. Again, Rachel, he married Rachel, Rachel died. So because Rachel died in his lifetime, the dowry goes to him. Then when he dies, it'll go to her biological sons. But he has a second wife. So he's got Leah, who's the second wife, who wants her Ksuva. Just her Ksuva money. And anything promised to her. And then you have Rachel's kids who want the dowry of Rachel. Who gets Kadima? That's the case. So you have Leah who wants her Ksuba, or Leah's kids who want Leah's Ksuba, and Rachel's kids want the Ksuba's been indifferent. So the halacha is... Huh? Is the dowry that Rachel brought into the marriage that is now being inherited to them exclusively. The halacha is Leah wants her Ksuba. Leah is perceived as a Balchoiv. She's owed money. Rachel's kids who want their Ksuba's benediction, it's not a Choiv. It's considered an inheritance. They're inheriting it through their father. So in essence, and that's important, so in essence what you have is you have a Balchoiv who wants and he got the inheritance. But again, not inheritance from their mom. They're inheriting their dad because their dad died. And it's going straight to them. So they want the inheritance of their father. Rachel wants her Ksuba, which is a Balchayv. Who has Kadima? So says the Mishnah, Nasr Shana Mesa, Nasr Shana Mesa, who? Shniya V'yarshah, Kaidim V'yarshah Erishan. Leah comes first. We take care of the Balchayv before we do the Ksuba's Benindichran. That's the rule. That a, 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 a Balchayv is Kaidim, has Kadima to the Ksuba's Benindichran. That's, that's the major you said. We're saying there's only like the value of 200 Well, for who? I'm just a little confused. We have a thousand dollars. Leia's kids will get it all. Leia's kids will get her ksuba. That says five hundred dollars. Five hundred dollars goes to Leia's kids. The rest of it will be split. The, the rest of it will. Um, well, no. If there's extra, then it'll go to ksuba's been indifferent. And then whatever is left over will be split evenly amongst the kids. But the point is, Ksuvah's Benedictin does not come first. And if there's not enough money for both, then Leah is taken care of. And the rest is just split evenly. We do, I mean, this concept that this dowry is untouched and goes straight to them. Because you see, Ksuvah's Benedictin could throw off the entire thing. You could have three sons, right? One of them is a biological son of Rachel. 80% of the money is Ksuvah's Benedictin. He could get 80% of the estate even though he's one of the kids. Meaning it's not being split up evenly. That's the point. The halacha is we take care of the ksuva of Leah before we take care of the ksuvas ben of Rachel. The Gemara will clarify this. Now the first halacha before we get to that was that if you marry two wives, you have Rachel and Leah, they both want their ksuva because he died. Whoever got married first gets it. Rachel gets it before Leah. Okay. So the Gemara says, The fact that the Lashon is that we give it to Rachel before Leah implies, and we don't just say it goes to Rachel and not Leah. Meaning, let's say there's only enough money for one Ksuba. You have Rachel got married before Leah. They both want their Ksuba, so we give it to Rachel. Now the Mishnah's Lashon is not Leah doesn't get. It's that Rachel has Kadima. What does that mean? That tells you that Rachel is supposed to get it first. If Leah just breaks the rules and just grabs the cash, she'll keep it. Because she's considered also a Balchayv, and if a later Balchayv breaks, the, breaks protocol, protocol and grabs it, for the evidence, it's fine. That's why the Lushen is not that Leah doesn't get, it's that Rachel has Kadima, which implies that we should give it to Rachel first. If Leah, for whatever reason, grabs it, we're not going to take it away from her. 
So the, the Gemara says. So that, that, that I'm assuming uh, that, that that means that uh, the biological children from. Uh, this is not even talking about biological. This is just Stam. This is the uh, first case. We're just Stam. Rachel Leah won Aksuba. There's no kids. Right, Rachel okay. Leah won Aksuba. Right. So we should give it to Rachel. It's probably in Leah's house anyway. She was the second wife. It's probably in her domain. V- valid. Maybe. Maybe. Or if it's an escrow. I don't know. But, but the point is, well, it doesn't say that Leah doesn't get it. It just says <laughs> Rachel has Kadima, which implies that if Leah were to grab it, we'll let it be. That means that if Leah were to take it, the second Balchoy were to take it before the first one, even though that's not what they're supposed to do, eh, we'll, we'll let it be. Shmami, no, you see from here. If you have two people that are owed money, but there's only enough money to pay one of them, so you're supposed to pay the first person you owed. If the second guy just grabs it, we'll let it be. Now, Ikada Amri. Is that Yeah. I believe so. Well, you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to. But I think it technically works. Like, we won't take you to court to undo it. Because technically, you're rightfully taking what's owed to you. You know what I mean? Like, you're not stealing. You understand? You have to check if anyone else has a lien or something. Correct. You're supposed to. Yeah, you're supposed to. Um, So the Gemara says, So the Gemara says, No, perhaps, The Gemara says, No, perhaps, If Leia were to grab it, it wouldn't work. And when the Mishnah says Rachel has Kadima, it doesn't mean that if Leah were to grab it, it would work. No, Rachel has Kadima, meaning Kaidim, entirely hers. Meaning we read Rachel has Kadima as implying that if Leah were to grab it, she would legitimately be able to keep it. Who said? Maybe she has Kadima. Like, like it's like if I would tell you the Lushan is a Kayan has Kadima by the first Aliyah. That doesn't mean that you can give it to Israel. He has Kadima. Kadima doesn't necessarily mean that other people can legitimately, it means he's the first one and, and he's the only one. I'll prove it to you, because it says, Ben Kaidim Labas. The Mishnah says, we know that when there's a son and a daughter, who has the inheritance entirely? It goes to the son. But what is the Lashon? Kaidim. Kadima. So you see, Kadima doesn't necessarily mean order. Kadima means entirely. So it goes entirely to Rachel, not necessarily that Leah can grab it. Okay. Some have a different version of this Gemara. At first, now, this, this version is, we actually think that Leia from the Lushan is, the fact that it doesn't say if Leia ke- grabs it, she keeps it, implies that if she were to grab it, she doesn't keep it. You see from here that if a later Balchayv grabs it, we do not let them keep it. And the Gemara says, Go to the next page, and the answer is no. It could be that it just picked that lotion because of the end of the Mishnah. Say so it's the same thing; it's just rejecting it. Okay, this is the um, correct. Now, this is the tricky part. From here into the end of the Yomit, I'm do my best. This is again the, the case of the Ksuvus been indifferent. Again, you have a man marries Rachel, Rachel dies. Her dowry now goes to the husband. Then he marries Leah. And then he dies. So Leah wants her ksuba. Rachel's sons want the ksuba's been indifferent, the dowry of Rachel. So the halacha is we give it to Leah first. Leah's a balchayv, or Leah's kids are balichayv. They're going with Yerusha. Balchayv has kadima to the Yerusha of ksuba's been indifferent. That's the Mishnah said. So the Gemara says we can learn out three things from this. Shmami Let's learn out three things from this Mishnah. First, um, okay. 
The Gemara had a possibility. Ksuvas min and dichrin again means that the biological children of that marriage get the dowry. Now in this case, you have children of Leah and you have children of Rachel. The children of Leah want the ksuba. There is no ksuvas bin and dichrin because Leah did not die before her husband. So Leah's family just keeps it. There is no ksuvas bin and dichrin from Leah's perspective. Rachel's kids want the ksuvas bin and dichrin. So, okay. So you give it to Leah. She has kadima. Now let's say there's enough money for both. Right, let's say there's enough money both. So you go to Leah, give her the cash, then you go to Rachel's kids and say, here's your ksuvas bin dichrin. The Gemara says, the reason why that's a chiddush is because I would assume there is no ksuvas bin dichrin unless all the children also have ksuvas bin dichrin. Meaning, if you have Rachel's sons and Leah's sons, Leah's sons just want the ksuva. Rachel's sons want the ksuvas bin dichrin. The Gemara is saying, I, would have, I could have heard that we don't give the ksuvas bin dichrin to Rachel's sons if Leah's sons are also not getting ksuvas bin dichrin. Why? Ksuvas bin dichrin is lopsided. Normally, inheritance is very even. Ksuvas bin dichrin could be lopsided. It could be 90% of his estate is ksuvas bin dichrin. And you could see why Leia's kids would find that unfair. Now, if Leia's kids were also getting their own ksuvas bin dichrin, whatever it is, then you'd be like, okay, listen, you know, it's lopsided, but you have yours and she has his. Over here, we're giving Rachel's sons ksuvas bin dichrin. Leia's sons are not getting it. Now, the reason why they're not getting it is because there is no dowry. But you could see why Leia's sons would be like, why, why are they getting so much? That's not fair. Huh? What's the point of What do you mean? No, it could be that... No, because then you're not splitting it evenly. No, then you're not splitting it evenly. The purpose would be Rachel has her ksuvas bin and Dichron, Leah has hers. It's not going to be even. It's going to be 65%, 35%, whatever it is. But at least both are getting what their family dowry is. But over here, it's not... It's lopsided... And only half are getting ksuvas So you could see why that wouldn't, that wouldn't be fair. The Mishnah says, no, we give it to Leah first. The implication is, if there's enough money, we'll then give Rachel's sons the ksuvas benedichon, even though only one half is given. So that, that's the Gemara says. Shema mina, achas b'chayev achas b'moise, which means there's one ksuvas benedichon and one non-ksuvas benedichon. So the halacha is, yesh and ksuvas benedichon, we give it to the, 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 we give it to the Rachel's sons. Now, we, again, we give Leah first, but we will eventually give Rachel sons. We're not worried about fighting, quarreling. Memai, how do I know that we give the Ksuvas Benedichon if there's enough cash, we give it to Rachel sons? Mediktani, because the Mishnah says, We said It says that the Leah's sons have Kadima, which implies if there's enough money to go around, we'll give Leah's sons their Ksuvah, then we'll give Rachel sons their Ksuvas Benedichon. So that's the first thing you could learn from our mission is that there is ksuvas min dichrin when only one half of the estate, when only one group of kids get it, will still do it. Okay. Second thing you could learn out from it, shmamina ksuvas min dichrin. I'm sorry, shmamina ksuvas min dichrin ksuva nasas meisel lechaverta. Okay. Um, the second halacha was I don't know if you remember this. Let's say his entire estate is ksuvas min dichrin. Will we give it? Stop. You have a, a, a man marries Rachel, whatever. Uh, Rachel dies, then he inherits it. And then he dies. So he's got 10 kids from 10 different marriages. But Rachel's kids want the Ksuvus bin Indichrin. Standard case. Allah is, we only give the Ksuvus bin Indichrin if there's a little bit left of the estate. It could be a dollar to split evenly amongst the kids. But if all of his estate, if it's 100% of his estate, is the Ksuvus bin we're not going to do it. Because that's, that's overriding the biblical concept of, of inheritance. Right? Biblically, all the sons are broken evenly. 
if you're going to take the entire estate, give it to one kid, it's not fair. So they're not going to do it. And therefore, it's just split up evenly. Rabbinic. So we're not going to let... No, I'm, t- I'm talking stomach case. Regular Ksuvah's been indifferent. Let's say this. He's got five sons from five different marriages. But, so the biological sons want their dowry, right? Forget about the Kadima, just stop. The biological sons want their dowry. Let's say that's his entire estate. So they would be getting 100% of the money. The other brothers would get zero. We do not do Ksuvah's been indifferent. We just split it up evenly. Ksuvah's been indifferent only works when there's some surplus. Over here, the surplus is not money. The surplus is Leia's ksuba. The halacha is, that's fine. You don't need a surplus. If Leia's ksuba is the surplus, that's fine. Why? The whole purpose of the surplus is we want all the kids to get some share. Yeah? Over here, when you're paying Leia's chayv, all the sons have to pay the chayv. So you have the Ksuvah's been indifferent, which is 70% of the estate. You got 30% of the estate going to Leia, that's fine. Either there's no surplus, there's no cash to distribute evenly amongst the kids. The answer is, Leia's chayv, that's on everybody. So it's the equivalent of giving the money to every kid and saying, and now we're paying. So you see from our Mishnah, the fact that the Mishnah doesn't mention any surplus, it shows you that we'll do Ksuvah's been indifferent, even if there is no surplus, if the remaining is paying off a chayv. You don't need surplus cash if the remaining is paying off a chayv. And the last thing you learn out from is ksuvas ben indichron tafri mishavdi. There's no lien on a property to pay off the ksuvas ben indichron. Why? Let's think about it. Um, let's say there's not enough money to give Leah her ksuva and the ksuvas ben indichron. Who has kadima? Leah. If if there's a lien on the property to pay off the you know what would happen? We would give Leah her money, and then they would take Leah to court and take it from her because there's a lien on the property. If there's a lien on the property in order to pay off the Ksuvas Benindichrin, then it would always get to them at some point. Right? Our mission says you just give it to Leah. If there's not enough, she has Kadima. And then it stops by her. Now, if there's a lien on the property, what would happen is you'd give it to her. They would then take her to court and say, hey, there's a lien on your property in order to pay back Ksuvah. So you see from our Mishnah, there is no lien on the property to pay off the Ksuvah's been indifferent. Those are the three halachas that you see from our Mishnah. Again, halacha number one is that you'll give Ksuvah's been indifferent even if not all sets of children are getting Ksuvah's been indifferent. I mean, we'll do Ksuvah's been indifferent even to one set of kids, even though there's no Ksuvah's been indifferent to two sets. Number two... Uh, you don't need a surplus of cash if the remaining money outside of Ksuvah's Benedichon is a chov. Okay. So the Gemara now says, and the Gemara is now going to question this. Um, the whole assumption of the first thing the assumption was that if there's enough money, right, you'll give Leia. The Mishnah says you give Leia Kadima, or Leia's kids Kadima. And then, and then the implication is if there's surplus, we'll give the Ksuvah's been indifferent to Rachel's sons. I, there's only one set of kids getting Ksuvah's been indifferent, so what? The Gemara says perhaps no, perhaps you don't give Ksuvah's been indifferent to one set of kids. You only give Ksuvah's been indifferent if each set is getting one. So what does the Mishnah mean? It means Leia has Kadima, and if there's a surplus of cash, the remaining estate is split evenly amongst Rachel's kids. Who said that Rachel's kids are getting Ksuvah's Ben Indichrin? It just says that if there's excess, you'll give the remaining to Rachel's kids. It doesn't mean the remaining dowry. It just means they're now included in the 
splitting up of the estate, and they get an even share with the rest of the boys. Right? The Mishnah says that you give Kadima to Rachel and, Rachel and Leah's kids, which implies if there's excess, then you take care of Rachel. So we thought you'd give them Ksus and Dechel. The Gemara says, no, perhaps not. Perhaps it just means if there's an excess amount, then they'll get a share. Whatever, 10%, 20%, whatever it is. They don't get the dowry. And if you'll say then, if that's the case, then why do you have to mention Leia's Yarshim? It's just for the flow of the Mishnah. But perhaps that would be a proof, that would be a rejection of the proof that we give Ksuvus bin Indichrin to one set if the other set doesn't get. Perhaps not. Second thing that we're going to reject. The second thing was. Um, the, the second one is incredibly obvious, and that is, we generally don't do ksubas benedichon unless there's surplus of cash to be split amongst the kids. So the Mishnah, so the Gemara said, the fact that the Mishnah didn't mention that surplus of cash shows you that if there's a debt that's being paid, that's the surplus. And the Gemara says, no, perhaps the Mishnah's talking about a case where there is surplus. Maybe there's. 70% goes to Ksusman and different, 25% goes to Leia's debt, and 5% is surplus cash to split up even Leia. Who, who's that? I don't know. Maybe there's surplus. I don't know. Okay. Now, from here until the end of the Amit, the Gemara is going to be dealing with the Shaila, and that is, again, if you have an estate that one set of children are want the Ksuba, the other set of children want the Ksuba's been indifferent, so there's only one Ksuba's been indifferent, do we give it out? Again, if Leia has a Ksuvah Spin different and Rachel has a Ksuvah Spin different, so they're both getting it, even if it's lopsided, okay, fine, each one's getting it. Over here, you have Leia's kids who just want the Ksuvah, Rachel's kids want the Ksuvah Spin different, do we give it to them? So the Mishnah implied that yes. The Gemara says it's actually a Machlaikas Tanoim, Tanoihi. It's actually a Machlaikas Tanoim whether we give the Ksuvah Spin different to one set of children if the other ones are not getting their own. The Tanya. The Brysa says, Mesu Achas Bechayev Achas Memoise, Mamashar case, which is that you have. Uh, Rachel died first, and then Leah. So Leah's kids want the Ksuba, Rachel's kids want the Ksuba's been indifferent. So what does Rev Benana say? Benana says, again, you have Leah's kids who want the Ksuba, Rachel's kids who want the Ksuba's been indifferent. So Benana says, Rachel's kids can tell Leah's kids, take your money and go. Meaning, take your money that's owed you, get out of here, and then we're going to get our Ksuba's been indifferent. Like, take care of you first, let's go, 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 quick, and go, and we're going to get our Ksubas Mendechon. So you see from Bananas that we'll give a Ksubas Mendechon to one set of boys, even if the other set's not getting. What does Rav Akiva say? He says, no. Kfar kofza nachlam of the nafl of Rav Akiva says, the nachla already left you. Meaning, there is no Ksubas Mendechon in this case. So you could tell the Leia's kids to get lost. They're not, there's, no, there's, there's no more Ksubas Mendechon. They're going to get their Ksuba, the rest is going to be split evenly amongst everybody. So there is no, there's no purpose of telling them. So you see that Rav Akiva holds there is no Ksuvah's been indifferent. So it's a Machlegas, Rav Akiva and Benanis, whether this Ksuvah's been indifferent in this case. What's the Machlegas about? It must be, the Machlegas is, do we give a Ksuvah's been indifferent when only one set of kids are going to get it and the other sets are not? The Gemara then says no. The Gemara says, my lab, is, that, is, not, is this not the Machlegas? That must be the Machlegas. The Gemara says no. No, 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 no. Perhaps both Rav Akiva and Bananas agree that we do give the Ksuvah's Ben Indichrin to only one set of kids. The Gemara says, no, 
Perhaps everyone agrees there is a Ksuvus Menendichon when it's just one set. So why did Rav Akiva say there is no Ksuvus Menendichon in this case? Because I'll tell you the case. The case was 100% of the state. Right? 70% Ksuvus Menendichon. 30% to pay off the Balchayv. There is no surplus. So I said before, the Balchayv is the surplus. That's the Machlokas. The Machlokas is, is paying off a Ksuba debt considered surplus cash. Again, the purpose of the surplus cash is we want to fulfill the biblical concept of inheritance. Inheritance says that if you have four kids, it's split up amongst all four. If you just give Ksuvus Menendichon to 100% to one, then three kids don't get inheritance, and you're being a mevatel, a concept of their The question is, if I give 70% of Ksuvus Menendichon to one, and then I pay off the debt to someone else, do we look at that as, you don't need a surplus, why? It's the equivalent of this what happened. I have 70% to one, the other three boys, it's the equivalent of me giving 10, 10, 10, taking it all and paying off their chayv because they have the obligation to pay off chayvis. So it's kilo I didn't give the inheritance. Or do you say, no, there is no surplus of cash. We don't say ksubis benedichon. That's the machlekes. And I would, I would want to slightly change it. He feels that paying off a chayv, a standard chayv, is definitely considered surplus cash, and you would have ksuvas menendichrin. A ksuva is different because the ksuva goes only to the to the mother. Um, okay, so that that's that, that's a shaila, but but that that could be the machlokas. So you're telling me the machlokas Rav Akiva and Benanis is not whether you'll give a ksuvas menendichrin to one set of children and not the other. It's whether the Paying off the ksuba is considered the surplus. Maskifla, Rav Yosef, Ihachi, Rav Akiva, Mekarkvasa, Nachlam, Yesh Moisadinami. Shouldn't Rav Akiva say that? Right? Rav Akiva is saying there is no ksuba's been indifferent. And you're telling me the reason is because there's no surplus. So he should say that. He should say there's no surplus. He doesn't say that. The fact that he doesn't say that implies that that's not the problem here. The problem is he's against the concept of giving a ksub has been indifferent to one set of kids and not the other because it's going to lead to machlekes. So the Gemara says, you're right. The answer is, it is a machlekes tanoim. And that is the machlekes tanoim of do we have ksub has been indifferent to one set of children and not the other is a machlekes revikiva and bananas. Okay. Now we'll do a little bit more and then we'll stop. Um... The Gemara says, Again, we're trying to find a, another set of machlekes tanoim about whether we have ksuvas benedichon to one set of kids and not the other. Again, just to clarify, if there's two ksuvas benedichons, then I get it. All right, what's the case? He marries Rachel, Rachel dies. He marries Leah, Leah dies. Then he dies. So you have his estate. So you got Rachel's kids who are biological, they want their ksuvas benedichon. Leah's kids are biological, they want their ksuvas benedichon. So let's say 50% of the estate goes to Rachel, 40% goes to Leah, because that was the size of their dowry, and 10% is split evenly. I, Rachel and Leah, are not, Rachel and Leah's kids are not getting the same amount. Yeah, but they're both, they're both playing the game. The game is you get your mom's dowry. Can't complain. If your mom's poor, that's your, that's your luck. You can't complain. Over here, though, Leia's kids just want the ksuba because there is no dowry because their, hus- their, their moms outlived the dad, so the dad never got it. So Leia's kids want their ksubas, that's $10,000. Rachel's kids want the ksubas benedichon, which could be 90% of the estate. I could see why that's not fair. I could see why Leia's kids, like, we're not getting any heirlooms, and we're just getting nothing. Like, we're getting $10,000, they're getting 90% of the estate. It's not fair, it's split evenly. That's the machlekes tanayim of do we do that? So the Gemara wants to find one more machlekes tanaim of do we say ksuvas ben when it's just 
to one set of kids and not the other. So you have this case. So he marries Rachel and then Rachel dies. Then he marries Leah and then he dies. So Leah's kids want the Ksuba, Rachel's kids want the Ksuba. It's been a different. So, Boim Benel Shazu, Rashi says, look at the second to bottom line of Rashi. We think that this is referring to Leah's kids. We think this is what it means. Leah's kids take their Ksuba. Okay. And it doesn't say anything about Rachel's kids. It just says Leah's kids get their Ksuba. It doesn't say anything about Rachel's kids. Why doesn't it say they get the Ksuba's been indifferent? The answer is they don't. That's the first opinion. What does Rosh Shimon say? Rav Shimon says, no, if there's excess, they both get it. Meaning, seemingly, the pshat is, Leia's kids, the first opinion says, Rachel's kids do not get the Ksuvah's Menendichon. The second opinion says, Rachel's kids do get the Ksuvah's Menendichon. So you see, it's a machlegas. Do you give the Ksuvah's Menendichon in this scenario? That's the Machalikas Tanaim. So, we'll stop here. Um, it's 8.30. My intention is to record tomorrow's daf today, earlier. Uh, I'm not going to be giving it over to Kipper. Uh, usually, I'm, there's going to be a small break during davening, so I'm going to be resting. Um, we'll see, maybe Muslim Kipper to repeat it. Depends how I feel. Uh, but we'll see. But um, my intention is definitely to record it uh, before, before Yom Do you know around what time? No uh, I'm going to go home. I'm just going to look how hard the daf is. Usually around 11.30, 11, 11.30, something like that.